Right, Psalm 37, and we're going to read from verse 4. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I've always read it in the way that I've got a desire that I want met, so now I'm going to delight myself in God, so that God <laughs> can give me the desire of my heart. But that's not what that verse actually says. Yeah, twisting God's arm a little bit, you know. So God, I've got this, this vision that I want to fulfill, and then um, I will delight myself in you, and when the delight meter in heaven hits green, <coughs> then God will give me this desire, you know. And all the time he's got angels reporting to heaven to see as if I am delighting myself in the Lord all the time. And the moment you think like that, you get into this race on um, am I delighting myself in the Lord enough or not? And then you get all the strategies on how to delight yourself in the Lord and all those type of things so that God can give you the desires of your heart. Now, it actually is the other way around. It says the first thing you do is you delight yourself in the Lord. Then God will give you desires in your heart. Okay, so you delight yourself in the Lord, then God will give you the desires that comes up in your heart. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> Much better. So we delight ourselves in the Lord. Now, let me just uh, talk a little bit about delighting yourself in the Lord and hearing the voice of God. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, um, it means the name of the Lord is the name Jesus. So you're going to delight yourself in the Lordship of Christ. Now what does that mean? You know, we, we must define that. If we don't define that, we can go into our old um, legalistic ritual of thinking that I'm delighting in the Lord by doing things for God. Now finding your delight in the Lord means I find my joy and my pleasure in the fact that He is my Lord. Meaning, if He is my Lord... What Lordship means in the New Testament, and if you are here for the first time, just bear with me here. What Lordship means is um, the fact that God possesses a human body, that he's a, He became a human being, and that He conquered death in human form means that He is Lord over death. He is Lord over the law system. And now, when I believe upon Him, then He becomes my Lord, so that I am not judged by my works, but by His works. Okay? Now we delight ourselves in the Lord. We find great joy in the gospel of grace. That's what it actually says. I am very happy to be part of the grace message. I'm very happy to be part of a system where God says, I've got one man representing the human race, and that one man that represents the human race obeyed on everybody's behalf, died on everybody's behalf, and was resurrected on behalf of all people so that we today can stand in the perfection of Jesus, free from our good works. And, that, and then he says, delight yourself in that. Delight yourself in that. When you delight yourself in that, when that becomes what is important to you, you will find that God will give you desires. You know, I remember when I was still under the law, I had certain desires. You know, my, my desires 
has been like this. I want the biggest stage there is. And I want the biggest sound system there is. And I want to have crowds of 1.5 million by the age of 34. Okay? That was my vision. But I didn't delight myself in the Lord and what He's done for me. I delighted myself in what I must do for God. Then, what I must do for God gave me the desires of my heart. Then I wanted God to meet the desires <laughs> that didn't even come from Him. And now I pray and ask and pray and ask and pray and ask and never get anything. And don't know why. But my delight was not in the gospel. Now, now, I want you to hear this. This is not a works mentality of, I'm going to delight myself in the gospel. What it actually means is simply, let the, go the gospel message be true in your heart for you. Let that be what is beautiful for you. Amen. It's like the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, you know. After that, she was delighting in the Lord. Why? Because of the innocence that He declared over her. And that is what my wife and I, and what I found is, I, I, man, my delight is in the gospel of grace. I cannot delight in condemnation. I cannot delight in pointing out people's sins. I cannot delight in seeing somebody bearing the consequences of his sin. I don't find any delight in that. My delight is in the message of the innocence of the human race because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen. That is what our delight is in. When our delight comes in the Lord, then it says, He will give me the desire of my heart. Right, let's read on. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Right, now what does this mean now? So here you come, you delight yourself in God. It's very easy to delight, to delight oneself in God when you hear the right message. You know? Remember what we said last Sunday? That Jesus Christ, when He was, and let me just talk for one minute on that, was such a good message. I listened to it five times last week. <coughs> really. I tell you the truth, I did. <laughs> awesome. So, what, what happened? Jesus was baptized. When Jesus was baptized, He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. After He was baptized, He was baptized in the baptism of the sinners. So, when He was baptized, He took the sin of the whole world upon Himself. After that, in Matthew 9, He came to a person that was paralyzed. He declared to that person, without that person even confessing his sin, he said to him, your sins are forgiven. He came to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. What did he say to her? He said to her, I don't condemn you. Why? Because her sin has been forgiven. Forgive means to divorce. She's been divorced from her sins. Why? Because he was carrying her sin. To be punished for it later on, on the cross. Okay? So he was going around declaring the innocence of people. Now it was very easy for the sinners to delight themselves in Jesus. Now the way you delight yourself in Jesus is by hearing a message that can bring delight and joy. Hallelujah. So this is not a difficult work. I'm now going to delight myself in the Lord so that He now can give me a desire. No, no. Listen to the correct message. You'll find that message will bring a joy inside your heart. Amen. Want die boodskap van liefde is aansteeklik, man. Verstaan, dit trek jou. Love draws people. That's why sinners made it their custom to go to Jesus and listen to Him. Because He was not pointing out their sins all the time, but He was talking about innocence. He was talking about His sacrifice. He was talking as one having authority. 
He was talking about, he was, he was talking about the deliverance of people. Amen. And that was, that's why it was easy for sinners to delight. Once, once that happens, you will find that the desires of your heart is born out of this delight. It's a very simple principle. You know, if you, um, if you watch uh, 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 certain things on television all the time, you know, say you watch uh, these motor car shows all the time. I don't do that. I don't have satellite TV. Okay, so say I do that. When I was in the U.S., everywhere I go, they've got this. So I was watching all these motor car shows. You know, I like motor cars. After a while, I've got a desire for one of those cars. And then I find two scriptures to even confirm. <laughs> I mean, there was Lydia. She had a motorbike. Bible said Lydia the purple for Quipster. You know? You know? And there was this one guy that came first in his triumph. So it means then <laughs> and I can have a car as well. You know? One of those nice ones. Because what you delight yourself in brings forth the desire in your heart. So what God says is that He is there to meet certain desires. And that is the desires that is born from the revelation of grace. You'll meet it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to the gentleman that God is. He says, you delight yourself in me, then I will give you the desire of your heart. Then in the next verse it says, then you make your way known unto God. So now God comes, He gives you the desire that is born from grace. Okay, and we're going to expand on that. That's born from grace. Once that desire is in your heart, then He says, I'm not forcing that down on you. Then you even come and look at this desire that I've placed in your heart and you bring it to me. And say, God, this desire that you've given me, I will allow this. This is what I want in my life. And then, let, let's read on. <laughs> Verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust Him also. So I commit this. Lord, I, 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 the, the change that happened in my life, when I got a hold of grace, what happened to my heart? All of a sudden, I was not seeing people as something I put on a list so that I can feel good about my ministry. The amount of people that put their hands up, I received Jesus. Put them on a list so that I can feel I'm a success. It changed. All of a sudden, I saw the value of people. When I saw the value of people, there came a desire in my heart. I had many different desires that I believe all of those desires was from God. God gave me the desires of my heart. I had a desire to have a website that can reach the world. And now we have it. Amen. Then my desire is now, I found this desire to translate this into different languages. And I have a desire to, um, to, to do gospel crusades. And I have a desire to see many churches planted. But I cannot do all of that at the same time. But I believe all of these desires is born from the gospel of grace. But then I come and I bring my way to God. I said, God, you know, the website thing, I will do it now. I will do some things out in Africa. I bring that before you. Thank you that that can manifest in my life. But I'm married and I've got three children. I cannot travel the world now. And I bring my way that is born out of these desires that come from God before God. Okay? And I trust God. In other words, trust means to rest your mind in the integrity of God. Okay? 
I trust God. Commit your way unto the Lord and trust Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So it will not even be you that will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. Isn't that awesome? So, and I've seen that, and, and, and let's just talk a little bit practical out of my life. <clears throat> when I got into ministry, like I said, the whole vision was, God has given me Jesus, now I must do something for God. I read the Bible from the perspective of going to all the world and make disciples of all men. Okay, and I took that as a command of God, and now I'm going to do that command. Paul never did that. Paul had a revelation, and I don't say that was wrong what Jesus said. He gave a command to do, and I believe that command can be done not by willpower of man, but that must be born into you by a revelation of who you are and of who other people are and what God has done for the whole world. So here I came in the beginning, I took Matthew 28, and I said, I'm going to win the world for Jesus, and I'm going to be obedient to this command. Then I was angry for people that didn't want to help me, because if they don't help me, I'm going to be disobedient to God. So then I'll manipulate you, and I'll control you, until I can get you to do what I want. Because I shall not be disobedient to God. But Paul had a different take on that. 2 Corinthians 5, he comes, he says, The love of Christ compels me. He says, For I am of this mind, that if one died 2,000 years ago, then everybody is already dead. And that revelation compels me, for I know a truth of the innocence of people. And then he went and he preached the gospel. He, he, Paul had the ability to write to the Corinthians and said, that I will come to you without even money. I will work there. For it's not right for the, father, for the children to give to the fathers, but the fathers must give to the children. We will find it difficult for a lot of preachers to say that today, in certain instances. Why? Because, I mean, these people must help me to obey my God. Because there's a voice that comes from, uh, born from condemnation and obligation that gave them a command plus a five-point plan plus everything, and that voice was not God. It was a voice. Definitely there was a voice. The law speaks. It does. I mean, there was, the, there was the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus lived from the platform of innocence, the innocence of people that he carried, the sin of the people, a platform of grace. The Pharisees listened to God. They wanted to do the will of God. And then they were reminded of the scripture that says, let's kill her. So there was a voice speaking. Like you will hear a voice when you watch the car shows all the time, that you need a car like that. You'll hear that voice. That voice will speak to you. So here it clearly says, delight yourself in the Lord. Now Jesus did that very same thing. He says, don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. First seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things that the Gentiles desire shall God add unto you. Okay? So what is the platform from where we, 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 we delight ourselves in the Lord? We delight ourselves in His first seek, His righteousness. Not your righteousness, His righteousness. What is His righteousness? His right to have it. And if you can know His righteousness, His right, 
how He weighs up and qualifies, and you can identify yourself with Him because He's got a human body, you've got a human body, and He did it on behalf of the human race. When you can identify like that, you will find all these things will be added unto you. Amen. So, you know what's a wonderful thing? If you get to the place where, where you find that the grace message and what God has done starts to consume your mind and your belief system, you find the desires of God coming forth. And you've got all these desires, which is wonderful. You can make your way known to God. You can say, God, I pray for this. God, I pray for that. And you can hear Him answer your prayer. Okay? That is just a foundation that I want to lay tonight on, on, on the voice of God. Let's go to James chapter 1. We must realize that our heart speaks to us. I believe the way that God speaks to us is by the Holy Spirit through your heart, through your belief system. That is the way it is. I've seen it so many times. You can find a prophet, he can come and he can give a word. And when he gives that word, you can hear the flavor of his belief system in that word. And to him it's God. To him it's God. It's the flavor of his belief system. That's why I believe it's very important when it comes to hearing the voice of God. If you want to hear the Spirit of God, let's, let me just give you a different, different definition of the word Spirit so that you can understand how we hear the voice of God. If I say Spirit, don't think just of the Holy Spirit as we've traditionally known the Holy Spirit just as, and I believe in the Holy Spirit as, as a person, you know. But believe in the Holy Spirit as a personality or a certain attitude. Um, if I come to you and I say to you, uh, this person has got a spirit of bitterness. Well, he's, he's, he's got a very, man, he, he's got a difficult spirit. You know, this guy has got a hard spirit. Oh, he's so, such a soft spirit. You know, now I come, I, I want to hear from the spirit of God. The attitude, the attitude of God. So when you come and you want to hear the voice of God, you tune yourself into the attitude of God, which is, which is the attitude that says what you have and what you do does not define you. You tune into that channel when you talk about your things to God. And from that no condemnation and love where value is not placed, in earthly things, where God is not threatened about circumstances, you will hear the voice of God for you. Okay? Now, let's first go to James chapter 1, and I'm gonna, I will explain that a bit more. James chapter 1, talking about the heart and the Spirit of God. So when we ask, we ask the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will remind us of everything we have freely received in Christ. Okay. Let's read from verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have, it, have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives unto all men liberally and abradeth, or doesn't take account of the past, 
not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the, of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, let me explain that. That is such, such powerful stuff. He comes in, the Jewish people, he's writing to the 12 tribes that were scattered. They were scattered after the destruction of Jerusalem. They were, um, I mean, the, the church was in turmoil. Here was these people. And obviously, a lot of them heard the voice of God. That says, no, convert back to Judaism. Because this is very difficult, you know. And now they come, now he comes, he says, listen. If you are going, let this hard time have its perfect work. In other words, when you are in this hard time, and I'm not talking about you struggling with your money or you struggling with sickness or disease or whatever. I'm talking about persecution here. People being killed for the gospel. He says, stay in that. Don't get out of that. What does that mean? Keep on confessing the name of Jesus as your Lord. Don't reject Christ. That's all it means. And let it have its perfect work so that you might be entire and wanting nothing. When? When Jesus comes. You don't want to want, you want not, no, I want no, well, I need salvation, Lord, in the day of salvation. Because, you know, I rejected Christ. No, no, no. Let this thing have its perfect work that you will be entire and wanting nothing. Okay. Now it says, if you need wisdom, in this situation, we are going through a hard time. Ask of God who will take no account of the past. Okay? And that will give wisdom to every man liberally. So you must believe that he will give it liberally, and you must believe that he will give you advice without taking account of the past. Now what was these, these Christians, these people that believed, that was scattered, what did they believe now about, if I would say, take account of the past? It means I'm not going to give you advice from the law that has passed away. My advice will not come from there. My advice will not be your ten steps to a breakthrough. My advice is not going to be along those lines. And know that I will give it freely to everyone who asks. But then he says, if you ask, you should not think that God can answer me out of the law and God can answer me by Jesus. Because then you are double-minded. And then he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, double-minded, literally, if you're going to study in the Greek, means a double-spirited man. A man with two spirits. A spirit, I hope I can remember the definition now, I said in the car, is, is, uh, uh, um, is it's like, um, it's, it's a mindset with a different objective or a different strategy and a different goal. So if you come to God with a, with a works strategy, you come to God with a grace strategy, and both of them is what you believe in your heart, and you're asking God for advice, you will not hear from God. You will hear something, but you will not hear from God. Now let me explain that as well. Um, if we go to 1 John, let's quickly go to 1 John there. <clears throat> this is really going to help you. I'll get back to James here. I just feel I must just put this in quickly. So you make your way known. Number one, you delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires. You say, this desire is what I want, Lord. He'll manifest that in your life. I mean, that's on how to receive stuff from God. Okay? 
Now we're talking about how to hear the voice of God. Here this person needs wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the correct action upon the truth of Jesus Christ. I don't know how to act in this business decision, God. I don't know how to act when it comes to this relationship or uh, uh, should I move, should I stay, what shall I do? Now it says here in John chapter 3, uh, uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, For if our heart condemns, condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments. So, he says here, if you don't have a heart that condemns you, and you ask of God, then it says you'll receive of Him. I want to add in something there. If you have a heart that condemns you, you will ask, and you will receive, not of God. You will receive something, but not of God. Let me give you a good example. If I come and my, my neighbor's house condemns me. So I look at his house. I see his house is very big. I see his house is beautiful. They do everything. Now his house condemns me. What does his house say? Every time I drive past a house, his house says, you are poor. His house speaks. <laughs> Have you ever heard houses speak like that? Or cars or clothes or the lotto? You know, stuff speaks. So here this house condemns my heart. Now I come with a heart condemned before God. Now I've, I find my value in this, this guy's house. Now I ask God to meet the standard of law that I judge myself with by looking at this house to meet it. And now I don't get it. And wonder why. But God does because God doesn't function on the law system. It's exactly like with Jesus when He was in the desert. When Jesus was in the desert, Satan came and spoke to Him. When does Satan speak most of the time? When are you struggle? Okay? Many people say they're closer to God when they go through hard times. No, 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 no. That's exactly when Satan speaks to you the most Okay, you're going through this hard time, Satan comes to you and says, listen, if you take this stone and make it a bread, so what does Satan do in that hard time? He'll even quote a scripture that you can do now to heal your, your, your heart that is troubled because of the situation. Because this situation wants to condemn my heart. But Jesus was not condemned by the fact that he was sitting in the desert poor. The desert could not make him poor. Because he was wealthy in the voice that spoke to him when he came out of the baptismal water. When he came out of the baptismal water, it says, You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Because he was wealthy in that. He came, he was in the desert, wealthy in the word of God. The situation did not condemn his heart. When the situation did not condemn his heart, even if the situation quoted a scripture, because of his singleness of mind, finding his identity only in what God has said, he could hear the voice of God in that situation and said, I will not live by this. So how did Jesus hear the voice of God? Very simple. He was single-minded. He looked at what God said about him. And he only focused on that. 
When he looked at that and only focused on that, his heart could not be condemned when the situation spoke to him and said, oh yeah, you know, you, 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 you believe that God provides for you. And that's exactly what he said, and that's exactly what we have most of the time in difficult situations. You go through a hard time, what the voice that comes to you is this, oh yeah, you believe that God provides for you. So, change your situation. In my case, oh Bertie, you believe that you've got, you've, you've got the, the calling to preach the gospel. So, preach to millions. And just twists and, and, and will take a scripture that will say the gospel must go all over the world and then use that as, as a voice to me. Now, if I delight myself in that other voice, what will that voice do? That voice will bring a desire in my heart. I might even feel at that moment, oh, God spoke to me and gave me a new fire. And now I'm going to do this thing now. I'm going to burn your fingers. Because it's the power of willpower that will make that thing work. And not the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, well, and let's, let's take my case, well, what defines you as a grace preacher is not how many people you preach to, but, if, but what you preach. Are you preaching grace or condemnation? If you preach condemnation, I mean you're not a grace preacher. If you preach grace, you're one. If you just preach it to yourself, also. Don't have to preach it to millions. And I am what God says I am. Hallelujah. And that's it. And from that platform you can hear, you'll find the desires of God coming into your heart. You will mention your desires before God and you'll hear the answer that God gives you about that. When I was going in, uh, a while back, when I was going through a very hard time financially, what God was speaking to my heart was, just be content. Just be content, man. And now things are changing. Hallelujah. But I don't say, when I was in that, you know, there was many voices shouting, saying, well, if you're the blessed of God, if you have faith, walk out here in faith and do some, do some great exploits with God. But when I was listening to God, from the platform of no condemnation, from the platform of no performance, I heard Him saying to me, I give you contentment, my son. And in that time, you know, it was, it, it was difficult because I found it was like this, like what Jesus had there. You know, you, you look at the situation, you want to change, the, the, the temptation is to try and change your situation because therein you will prove to yourself. But when you can come and have, be single-minded, single-minded is, as he is, so am I. You know what the Bible says in getting a bit ahead of myself here in, in Mark eleven twenty three? It says when you ask something of God, you must first believe that you have it before you can ask. Do you know how many things you will not ask if you still if you first believe you've got it? <laughs> Amen. So it says if you believe that you have already received it. And then you say, then you'll have whatever you say, if you can believe you have already got it. So, it will not be, when we ask and hear the voice of God, um, I hope this is not too, too complicated, but 
If you ask and you want to hear the voice of God about a certain thing, and you can first see it already completed in Christ, and that you need nothing, and you talk to God about that desire that comes up in your heart, born from a platform of, I need nothing, you'll hear His voice. You'll hear His wisdom. And His wisdom, the Bible says, the wisdom that comes from above is first peaceable. First peaceable. You'll have peace in your heart. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Like I said, let's, let's make it very practical. I wanted to get out of a contract. For those of you who haven't been here last time, I want to get out of a, a contract where I was renting. And I tell you, it was like, the only way you get out of there was like, that guy wouldn't let me go just because of you know, because he was also struggling. So he was thinking, he needed the money. I wanted to get out of there. I want to get another. So I can't say to him, well, I want to get out of here. I don't have money. No, no, I want to get out of there to get a more expensive, bigger place. So I want to just get out. And he doesn't want me to get out. It was like, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You know, that was the emotion that was in my heart. I was, and I said to my wife, naturally, I can never get out of this until that two-year contract expired. Naturally. But I feel a peace in my heart. So I went to the guy, I spoke to him, nothing. No ways. He even writes me a letter. There's no shortcut out of this. <laughs> now when he writes that, you know, there's no shortcut out of this thing. You know? So I said, Lord, but I feel in my heart, the desire in my heart is to stop there and rent another place. And this, I don't feel that I have to do that for any reason. It is just born from this platform of grace. What shall I do? And you know what? Then I could hear the voice of God. He says, tell the guy, you will pay for it until the end. You will rent the whole thing all the time. But the only thing you must do is just fix the front door. So I told him that. And then he phoned me the next day and said he gives me two days to be out of the office. <laughs> and that's what happened. You know, it was just a, I, I, we've never moved so fast. <laughs> I tell you, they told me today, the next day, the tables, computers, everything... Tables put up there at my house. Everything's there, you know. I said, but I could hear, tell him this. Why? Because I was, I didn't do that to prove anything. If I rented, you know what voices came to me? Well, other preachers, if they want something from God, they either speak and it happens. If this doesn't happen to you, you're not as anointed as they are. That voice was there. I'm not lying. It was there. But then I said, I will not live by how quick a contract ends, but I will live by what God says about my life. And that platform made, gave me the ability to hear God's advice on how to deal with that situation. Amen. So I want to tell you, when your heart condemns you, the Bible says if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and knows all things. So the, the, the context of 1 John there is not, oh well, you know, God condemns your heart. No, no, he says, if your heart cannot condemn you, and you can ask God, you can speak to God. 
Now, our heart gets condemned by many things. The context of 1 John is actually, um, if you've got money and you see your brother doesn't have money and you don't give money to him, how does the love of God dwell in you? Now you come to ask God, now you cannot receive because your heart condemns you. So let's love with word and deed what it's actually saying when you feel the prompting of giving to somebody, give to him, so that when you come before God that you won't have that deed condemning you in your heart when you must ask and speak to God because you will disqualify yourself. But I've realized it's not just your bad works that disqualify you, but another man's success. Now I listen to, to some, some preachers and they would say, you know, when the recession came, our income went up. And I almost died. <laughs> Oh God, but they really anointed, you know? It was like, you, you know what is the feeling, what voice comes to you? It's the voice that says, their word that they preach is more true than your word. Because God is willing to sponsor their word, but is not willing to sponsor your word. That's the voice that came to me. You know? But if you're single-minded, when that voice comes, you laugh at it. You say, well, since when are the truth of a word defined by your income during a recession? No. I'm not defined by that. I'm defined by what He says about me. Hallelujah. Amen. And I just went through it. And now it goes better. And do you know what? The fact that it goes better doesn't mean that what I say is more true. Because truth is defined in Jesus. Is it in line with the spirit and the attitude of Christ? Of no condemnation, His love, not man's effort, but the effort of God to justify us. Hallelujah. That's how we hear the voice of God. To me, it's, it's, let me just recap on this. It is so important to have your heart in a state of no condemnation. Not condemned by your bad works and not condemned by another man's success. Because another man's success can condemn you. You come, come to, and that, and that success tells you, meet up to this standard. I remember when Eliana and I we just went into ministry. We believed in prosperity. Why? Because if we prosper, and we are very rich, then the world will see the prosperity of God on us. Then they can also become believers in Jesus. And we were sincere. But since when must I be rich for somebody to believe? The Bible doesn't say that faith comes by how wealthy I am. The Bible says faith comes by the preaching of the gospel. And God has entrusted the gospel to poor people. Paul says, do you see how many poor people are believers? So now we think that I must be very rich so that other people can see my prosperity so they can become believers. Now I love this verse in Matthew 9. I forgot to mention it last time. The Bible says, And Jesus spoke to the man that was paralyzed and said, Your sins are forgiven you. Then they said, Why does he blaspheme to tell this man who we can see? Now I put in my own words, We can see the curse on his life because he must have some sin. Say that he's now forgiven. Why is he blaspheming? Then Jesus says, why do you think evil in your heart? 
So what is evil? Evil is to think that a person that looks guilty is guilty. Okay? If God came and paid for him. Right. Why do you think evil in your heart? What's e what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up and walk? We struggle today so many times to say to a person, man, I declare to you, even before he confessed his sin, your sins are forgiven. We cannot say that. But we can say to a person before he, he confesses his sins, you are healed. But Jesus says, it's the same. If you say, I'm healed, or if you say, your sins are forgiven, same thing. Then the Bible, then Jesus said, stand up and walk. Then he walked, and the Bible says, and they all marveled. Now, this, this was the words. That you might know that man has the power to forgive sins. I will say to this man, stand up and walk. And he said, stand up and walk. Then he walked. And the Bible says, and they all marveled that such power has been given to man. What power? To heal the sick? No, no, no. To declare, that a man can declare another man forgiven. What makes people marvel is the message of innocence. Not how much money you've got. Hallelujah. What makes people envy is to see this redemption and this freedom in your heart. And that is a platform from where we ask. That's a platform from where we live. That's a platform from where we have our relationship with God. That's, this, that's, the, that's not where we, what we're heading to. That's where we start. That's where our conversation with God starts. His advice is always in innocence. His advice is always not taking account of the law system or your works. His advice is never to measure up to any standard. So when you come and, and, and your, 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 another business or your, your friend at a better job, con his, his success condemns you. And you come and you want to converse with God on the foundation of helping you to get to that success. You will just hear, shh. What actually says in Exodus 14, he says that if you come with your idol, in other words, your, your, your wrong belief, then he will answer you according to your idol. What that means is not he's going to say, yes, it's okay. He will deal with that situation. He will deal with the idol in your heart. He will say something that can get your mind into the grace message again. Instead of talking about that very thing. And uh, I, I testified to you guys like a couple of years ago, somebody stole from me and I beat the guy up. Now, you're a pastor and you beat the guy up. Yes, I did it. You know? Then, I'm not proud of it, but I did it. Then I went and I spoke to God. And now I wanted God. I said, oh God, I'm so sorry. I, please forgive me. And I was then looking for the sign of how God now forgives me. So God didn't talk to me with this idol that I've got now. My idol was, well... If I now confess my sin, then God will forgive me. He, didn't even, he doesn't deal with me on that platform. I didn't hear a voice in that line. The, the, what I heard was, well, the next crusade I want you to do, surely do it in that township for me. He was not talking in line with my idol. He wanted to refocus my mind on his unconditional love for me. A week or two later, I could hear him say to me, just go and apologize to the guy. And I did. And he apologized to me. And then the guy started coming to my church again. Now, this was not even a church member that stole from me. 
Don't steal my stuff here, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's you now, man. Okay. Right. So, <clears throat> James, James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So let's be single-minded. And the way we are single-minded is by simply focusing on this good news most of the time. You know? When you get in the, any message, let it be grace. Let it be grace. Let it be grace. Because grace brings forth this singleness of mind. The only thing where we can make a decision is what we listen to and what we yield ourselves to. Now, I don't want do, to say anything bad or whatever, but you know, I've been listening to some... Um, I don't watch television very little. And then I, <clears throat> I said, well, I want to watch some of the Christian stations. So I listened, and there was some guys there that preached grace, which was awesome. And then I listened to some other guys there. And I was just thinking, man, I cannot even listen to hear what he says. I cannot do that, because that, I'm playing with my heart here. I'm using the very foundation from where my life gushes forth as something that I now yield to leaven. I cannot do that. Because two weeks from now, I want to hear the voice of God. You know? I, and even tomorrow, I want to have the, the Spirit of God. I want to live by His Spirit. How do you live by the Spirit of God if you don't only see His Spirit? Now forget about this floating in the air, gold dust, that type of thing. I'm talking about His attitude. His way of thinking. His way of talking. His way of loving. His way of not condemning. Looking at Him and what was true to Him. And what was true to Him is your innocence. What was true to Him was the sacrifice He made for you. And as you keep your mind in that, I tell you, you hear the voice of God. You hear the voice of God. That's how you hear the voice of God. Delighting in the Lord, Him giving you the desires of your heart. One of my friends, he came to me, he said to me, he was in partnership with another guy, this guy's in Johannesburg area, comes up and he says, these, these partners now came with some filthy trick and it looked like he's going to lose his whole business. And this is a guy that supported me since the day he started that business 12 years ago. Faithful supporter. And he phones me, he says to me, this, this is the situation, you know. What, what, what shall I do? How shall I and I said to him, listen, get calm. Let me pray for you. Let's think about the love of God. Let's meditate upon his no condemnation. And let's hear from that platform, you know. And after all of that, I said, because he said to me, no, he wants, to, he wants out now. He just wants, he'll go waitering. This guy, he's not, if he's a waiter, he shouldn't serve me. You know. We save some people. You know, so, so I said, no, 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 no. With this peace now that God, and I said to him, God will always meet your need. Your needs are already met. And all those things took all the fear out of his heart and he could go and listen. And the desire that came from this grace, grace platform in his heart was, I want to continue with my business. 
It changed. I want to continue. That was, so okay, let's bring this before God. And hear what he says strategy-wise. You know? And then he, God spoke. He says, let him do this and let him do this. And he's busy with that process. You know, I will come and testify in two months or three months on what happened there. So I, I believe that is the way, that platform. And the success of other people can condemn you. The success of other people can make you hear, buy that car, do this, do that. Not that you're not supposed to have things, but you don't want things from a platform of condemnation. You want things from the platform of grace and the revelation. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me give you an idea. I wanted to buy a, t a, a program that I could do, my, do, do live web editing. And two years ago, that program cost 110,000 rand. Okay, so that when I stream my stuff, that I can do the editing live. And when it, so I was thinking, man, I'll sell something, I'll buy it. But I could hear, because I'm on the platform of no condemnation, another man's TV program cannot condemn me. I could hear, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Two years later, I bought a program that does more for 3,500 rand. Isn't that awesome? That has been designed just for the web. Because th th those things weren't there then. <laughs> Thank you God, you know. Thank you God. So it makes my work so much easier. Everything is easy. But you could hear. If I did that, you know, I would have paid all of that. I might have still been paying off on that program and then see this other program and then deal with the condemnation this program now gives me. <laughs> Hallelujah. So many times we fret. What's going to happen now with quick decisions? What? Be at peace. The Bible says the wisdom that comes from above is first peaceable. Have the peace of God. Have the, just, if you want to hear the voice of God, go and put on some music, listen to a message that brings no condemnation, and just bathe in that no condemnation. That's the platform from where you're here. Amen. Let's go to one more place. It just confirms this, and we end there. <clears throat> James 4, it says, verse 1, From where comes war and fighting among you? Come they not from even the very lust that war in your members? Okay? Why do people fight like that? You know? And he was talking here to people that wanted to go back to the Jewish system because of money reasons. He says, Where does all these wars and fighting come from among you? Come they not from the lust that war in your members. Now, if you recall what we preached on, in, on Romans 7, where Paul says, the lust that comes up in my members is because of the law system, justification by works. Okay? So he says, listen, why do you fight so much? It's not because you guys are in the law. You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Then he said, and you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Now, I've always read it this way, that if I want anything nice, God cannot give it to me, because that's just lust. But that's not what that scripture says. He talks, he def lust in the Bible is defined as man's desire to be righteous before God with his own works or righteous before his friends, or whatever, because of his own works. 
and from that platform there's a lot of fighting and you see this guy's better than that one and whatever and now you you don't have because you don't do not ask because you want to now do it by your own power now you see I cannot do it now you want to ask God to empower you in the system of works righteousness and he says I will not now let me put it this way I don't even think you ask God you are inquiring this this, this, this law God to do it for you and he cannot because God wants to give amen so all that I say is in, 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 in my mind the way I see it here is it's just another confirmation of don't be works orientated. Don't be in a place where you're defined by situations when you speak to God. Have your mind at rest in the unconditional love of God. Now the best way to do that is, is to, and, and this is what I do, <clears throat> I will go into my office and I will just start to think and ponder upon certain verses. And when I experience the love of God, I will let that love take over my emotions. And I can feel loved. Feel loved. Feel valuable. In that place where that thing is not even in your mind. You just feel this love of God. You know, when we were standing there during the worship, I felt that as well. You know, like this, that, that awesome, you know, He's holy, His name is holy, amazing grace and you start to see the cross you start to see what's beautiful and you see his voice speaking and confirming your heart as you're righteous before me you are sinless before me for i've washed you the situation can never define you and as you are in that situation you will hear emotion will arise in your heart and i believe that's how we hear the voice of god most of the time how do we hear the voice of god It's by a feeling in our hearts I feel I must do this. I feel I must do this. But how do we get the right feeling? By delighting in the message of grace and not condemnation. Hallelujah. I want to tell all of you, God loves you so much. You know? And the safest... Grace is not something we do on a Sunday. It is the truth that will exist into eternity that we maybe gather around on a, on a Sunday. But God, His truth and His grace is forevermore. And when we start to get that mindset, that mindset and that concept, you know, it's like, <clears throat> I spoke to somebody and we were talking about, uh, um, th th these people are going through a rough time and they said to me, Bertie, but we don't want to deprive our kids. You know? So I was thinking, okay, you don't want to deprive your kids. You're going through a financial thing, so now you, you, you want counseling. You say, I don't want to deprive my kids. What does it actually say? I don't want to live a lower standard than the other people. Because the standard defines the standard of living on how big the kid's party is or what clothes they wear or whatever, on what outings they can go on, that will now determine if they are deprived or not. If they can go, they're not deprived. If they don't go, they're deprived. I said to her, you know, if that is your mindset, you will hear that mindset telling you exactly how big that party must be. Exactly what you must do. But to me, if you deprive your child, is when you refuse to teach him grace. You're depriving your child. 
the mindset of not depriving my child with worldly systems might cause you to spoil your child and break his life. But depriving a child is when you don't allow him to understand this gospel. When you, when you look at him from a different perspective than the cross and teach him a system of value that's outside of the truth. See, a different definition all of a sudden. And the moment that thing is placed in, I could see as I said that, you know, this person said to me, yes, you're right. And you could see that, hallelujah. Amper stress ek myself op for nonsense. I don't have to stress about things that are not needed. God came to give us peace. So the platform of hearing the voice of God is an uncondemned heart that comes by hearing God's voice of His unconditional love for you. Amen. Amen. Let us pray together. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <clears throat>